Choosing an energy company raises many questions. Who can make my electricity and natural gas work smarter? Where can I find a company that's easy to do business with, who knows the market best and has options to fit my needs? For millions of homes and businesses, there is one answer, Constellation. Decades of market intelligence and proven solutions from a trusted energy leader. Energy made efficient, simple, insightful, and flexible. That's what makes Constellation America's energy choice. Learn more at constellation.com slash energy. Blog Talk Radio. Oh, mama, I'm in fear for my life from the long arm of the Lord. Got miles to go before we sleep. Lawman is putting into my running and I'm so far from my We will not go gently. We're going to unleash hell here in December. Oh, mama, I can hear you crying. You're so scared and all alone. Hey, somebody fix this guy's buckle. Hey, 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 coming down from the gallows and I don't have very known as the Steeler Hangover. We do this the day after every Steeler game, and we either celebrate or we talk about what went wrong when the Pittsburgh Steelers play. Now, yesterday, the Pittsburgh Steelers took on the Cleveland Browns under a landscape of great tragedy, and it was a very somber day for what went on the day before in Squirrel Hill. Um, The Pittsburgh Steelers gave the uh, community a chance to have a three-hour window to try to escape from what happened the day before. And um, for a lot of people, it was a time to escape and just forget about what happened. And uh, there's not much I can say about it, Um, just uh, that, uh, you know, we pray for the families and pray for those we lost at Squirrel Hill of Tree of Hope. And uh, we hope that this senseless tragedy never happens again. I'm Brian Anthony Davis, and along with me is my good friend and Pittsburgh resident, Tony DeFeo. Tony DeFeo, excuse me. And uh, Tony, good evening, my friend. Hey, Brian. Good to be with you. Well, I'm glad to have you on. So, I mean, we have a lot of a lot to talk about. Um, definitely a... Uh, a great day as far as on the football field for the Pittsburgh Steelers, a, uh, a very important win, even though it was against a, uh, the downtrodden Cleveland Browns, it was still something they needed to come back from the bye. They came back a little rusty. They came back actually with heavy hearts. Their heads weren't completely in the game. They even said that at first, but they found a way to, uh, to, uh, put things together and dominate towards the end. And we will talk a lot of football, but beforehand, if you don't mind, Tony, I know I live in Maryland, but I am, uh, I was born and raised in Western Pennsylvania 
and uh, my heart belongs to the city of Pittsburgh. You live right there. And uh, if you don't mind me rehashing this, um, what were your thoughts when this happened, when the game was going on, and uh, how do you feel that the uh, Steeler organization handled it and honored the victims of this great tragedy? Well, uh, actually, I was on my way to an event at CU was going on and a bunch of um, emergency vehicles, you know, I had to pull over on Forbes Avenue as they passed me by. And I had no idea it was for anything like that. I figured it was for a fire or a, uh, an accident or something. And, and, and then when I, I was at CMU about an hour later, work event for the homecoming game and um, told me that uh, there was an active shooter in the area, Squirrel Hill, not that far away from CMU. It's about a mile away. And then we were at the, this was on lockdown, and then not soon after that, game canceled, and the event was canceled, and it was just a, you know, and then as the morning and and rest of the afternoon you know, transpired, we I I realized what happened. It was just such a shock, and uh, it's just you know it's like, like so many people have said, there's just no words to describe something like that. I mean, you know, it could be it could happen to anyone at any time, and it's just it's just like you said, you just hope something like that never happens again and as far as how to handle it i mean it's just they handle it with class like like they do so many other things and 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 like you said in the show it was a, a three-hour window for everybody to sort of to sort of forget what happened and just uh, uh just concentrate football a little bit and that's the great thing about sports is, is, is these, these players they just they just give us their all and 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 they they pain us. They they give their bodies. They give everything just to so we can we can escape from stuff like this. Just from our normal everyday lives, usually. But from a, a tragedy like like this, and it was just just a, it was it was a, a, a this is a small way to 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 make us forget about what happened on Saturday. Well, you know what? It's something that. Uh... You know, we see these tragedies on the news all the time, but when it hits your backyard, it really hits home. And uh, that's uh, that's something that's not a fraternity that I ever wanted to be in. Um, but as as far as this has happened in the city of Pittsburgh, and I'm very proud of the way the city has come together, has uh, united in this tragedy. And uh, very proud of my city. And it's something how when you have – people don't realize how ingrained a te- sports teams can be in every member of the community. And when I was watching uh, – I was watching on the Today Show this morning, um, they showed some fam- – they showed family photos of some of the victims. And there were a lot of Steeler shirts in these pictures, terrible towels lining the coach, uh, couches. Um, it, it's something that uh, the Steelers are a major part of this community. And uh, they, these players, they felt it going in, and they talked about it. It's really nice to see uh, Cam Hayward come out wearing the Pittsburgh with a heart T-shirt. He didn't come out during introductions with his 97 jersey on. He came out with a shirt to uh, go. He grew up in Pittsburgh. So to go ahead and uh, send a message of uh, of love and support and hope, and uh, we're we're going to go through this together. But uh, that team did a lot 
to give that window. So, I mean, I know we've uh, we've talked a lot about it, and we're here to talk about football, but that's the landscape that we were given. It hung over that game, but it was really nice to go ahead and uh, you know see the community come together. And I know I, I keep I keep going after this, but uh, let's go on to football, Tony. And as you know, the Pittsburgh Steelers they were coming off of a bye. And typically, their last five times off a of bye, I think it was one and four, um, just not a very good team lately off of the bye. Um, that rust sometimes uh, sometimes seeps in, and they have trouble. And it looked like, uh, looked like the first quarter, once again, was going to go ahead and uh, be the – the doomsday for this team. Um, do you think going forward that uh, they could continue to struggle in the first quarter and get away with it like they have recently, Tony? Uh, well, I mean, that's that was the interesting thing about yesterday's game is it, it began like a lot of the other a lot of the games at Heinz Field recently. The playoff game last year, Kansas City, Baltimore this year. Uh, just getting up is just a slow start and defense not being quite up to snuff, up to par, you know, letting the, the, the Browns uh, uh, go on a 66-play drive, or I'm sorry, a drive open again. But on the past games, they were able to, they were able to, first of all, the defense was able to end zone and able to uh, yeah. Tony, I'm having a little problem with your connection, I've, and so what I'm going to do is I'm but, having trouble with your connection here. So I'm going to ask you to go ahead and hang up and call back in. Have they turned a corner? I'm sorry. Okay, Tony. We're, yeah, we're having a problem with your connection. I'm going to ask you to hang up and call back in. But at this time, we're going to go to the phones and talk to our good friend Vito. I know he has something to say, and uh, good evening, my friend. Good evening, gentlemen. Good evening. Thanks for being here. I was listening to your thoughts on what happened in Pittsburgh, and it's uh, it's very sad. It's very unfortunate. But uh, we live in a world, as you guys know, it's a very, very uh, precarious world where we have a lot of imperfection. And uh, we got to understand that these things will happen for as long as, as as human beings are in existence, because it's just the way life is. Unfortunately, I mean, we're, we're imperfect human beings. We're in an imperfect world, and, and we're always going to have wickedness and evil until the good Lord decides to end it once and for all and make everything perfect. And we got to understand that we need to be faithful and understand that He's going to do what He needs to do to make everything perfect one day. And that's what we go by. And football is a reflection of just taking our minds off of the negative and focusing on, you know, the moment at hand. But it's great to see the team come out and, and you know, honor those victims and, 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 you know, to do things the way they did. And I think the first quarter could have been a reflection of what happened on Saturday, causing them maybe not to be into that game at that moment. It may have taken a good quarter for them to get into and say, look, we need to come out and we need to play hard and we, we need, you know, we need to win this game. We need to win it for Pittsburgh. We need to win it, you know, to prove that we're as good as we are. And I think that's why you saw them towards the second quarter do what they did towards the uh, latter half of the quarter. What I think was a great team victory. I think there was a couple of 
blunders that could have been prevented, like the kick and a few other plays. But, you know, we scored enough to really uh, take that game away. Then you get the news today with Hugh Jackson and Todd Haley, and you realize that that organization is in a mess and a tailspin so as good as that defense is there in Cleveland. they got bigger problems. So uh, what are your thoughts on moving forward in next week? Because that seems like another big game. And I think if we could somehow win that game, we kind of pivot ourselves to the second half. Well, Vito, I'm, first of all, thank you for uh, those words of wisdom um, and those words of hope. That's uh, something that, of course, we all need to hear. And I, I appreciate that. And uh, you've echoed the uh, the sentiment of the last few days that Pittsburgh is stronger than hate. So I do appreciate you saying that. Um, as far as uh, going forward, uh, before we get to that, I, I want to mention, you mentioned the Cleveland Browns, and you mentioned Todd Haley and Hugh Jackson. They got their, uh, they got their red tags today and their walking papers, and I actually predicted that Hugh Jackson would be fired after this game, but then my prediction was that Todd Haley would be the new head. I was, uh, so I guess I was half right. <laughs> so, um I, I texted Jeff Hartman right as soon as Jackson got fired. And I'm like, I'm like, did you see that? Um, he's like, yep, you were right. And then uh, we realized that uh, I was wrong on the second second part. And uh, they took a while, but they finally named Greg Williams defensive coordinator um, as the interim head coach. Uh, that team has a long way to go, uh, but they they definitely have some signs of. Uh, brilliance on that defensive side of the ball and even offensive side of the ball. I like what uh, Chubb and Mayfield are doing there. I like Ward and, of course, Miles Garrett on the other side of the ball. But uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers, they shut those guys down pretty much. Now, the first few, the first quarter, Nick Chubb had 44 yards. He ended with 65 which they really they really settled down and shut him down. Um, Mayfield, uh, he has a he has great awareness back in the pocket and um, on the run. He he can do a lot of things. He's going to be dangerous to this team in the future. And on the opposite side of the ball, we know what they can do. But when you have a guy like Miles Garrett and you look and say, okay, hey, he had a sack. He must have had a good game. But when you realize that that sack was his only tackle of the day, you look at the other side of the ball and realize that guys like Ramon Foster and uh, more like Alejandro Villanueva, who went one-on-one a few a good part of the day with him, had a great day. So um, the Pittsburgh Steelers are poised and ready to go. But they are facing next week a team that always plays them tough in their home field, and a team that has lost two games in a row and I don't think are done yet. Um, when you have a wounded team like this, they can be very dangerous. Uh, the Baltimore Ravens losing three in a row is going to be really tough. So I think you need to have four quarters of football against them. Tony, what do you think of that? Well, I, I like what I like what you have to say about the offensive line. I, 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 I can't say enough good things about the offensive line. What Mike Munchak's doing with that group now, just from top to bottom. I mentioned uh, uh, Big Al and what he did to Garrett. But, I mean, 
and he did an excellent job against him, especially after what happened in week one. But what about Matt Fowler? The, the way that they, they're at super soft, like they call him the last. BJ, and he's been doing it for a couple of years. He's now get right tackle for Gilbert, who is our. Once again, Tony, we're having trouble with your connection tonight. Um, I'm not sure what the uh, what the problem is with your connection. Um, Vito, I mean, does that make sense to you that where next week's game is so paramount for this team? I think it's important. I think you know we need to you know we need to do them a favor and, and understand that we didn't play as good as we could when we faced them in Pittsburgh, and we need to go there and we need to you know take care of business, be focused, and, and, and play our butt off and, and come out of there with a win. I think they realize what they yeah, yeah. and I think they realize that it's important. Now, you know what's really at stake as well? Um, if they lose this game to the Steelers, that means that they will go ahead and have lost three divisional games. What that means for the Steelers head-to-head in a tiebreaker that means that they have already won the division over the Ravens in a tiebreaker, um, which, you know, with a tie, it's uh, it's hard to think that there would be a tiebreaker. But um, as far as the division goes, they, they're going to have a definite advantage over that in the division. That would be, at that point, that would be, they would be, Three one and one in the division with one game to play. If the Steelers would go ahead and win that, and that last game would be against Cincinnati at home on December 30th in Week 17. So it's a it's a chance to give a knockout punch to that team. So that's what uh, I know they're going to go in and look to do. And that Week Four game is something that is really sticking in their craw. So I would think that they would go ahead and uh, just try to end it this season for the Baltimore Ravens as far as the AFC North goes. And with another loss, that could probably uh, really knock them way um, even out of the wild card situation um, with a serious run being needed, Vito. Hmm. Let's see what happens. And then you get the trade deadline tomorrow. I wonder if they're going to make any moves. Curious, you know that that's I'm actually working on an article right now about that. I'll tell you who is going to make moves, and that's the New England Patriots, and they're going to make big moves. They're going to get a receiver. They're talking about a defensive back. I think it behooves Kevin Colbert, the Rooneys, Mike Tomlin to look at look at a defensive back, and I think Janoris Jenkins is definitely on their mind. Um, I had a discussion with Jeff. Hartman the other day on our preview show, Um, albeit brief, he does not like the idea of Janoris Jenkins. I kind of do, just for the fact that you need to shore it up. Artie Burns didn't play at all yesterday. He only played on special teams, but the reason for for that was the fact that uh, he he was late for a walkthrough. So uh, he was being punished for that. But that defense you know they put up, they uh they gave up 18 points to the browns but if you look at it that botched special teams play and that was botched by all three of those guys um Nick's AB 
and uh, Ryan Switzer. That was that was the team botch by just not realizing the roles. Um, Switzer went ahead and uh, took responsibility for that, but I think they all need to take responsibility for that play. Um, in fact, I think Antonio Brown was the biggest culprit on that play and not Switzer, but Switzer is going ahead and taking the uh, taking the blame. But as far as everything goes, um, they gave up 18 points, but that situation went ahead and gave the Browns great field position. Also, the other touchdown was in garbage time which I excuse a lot of a lot of uh, touchdowns in garbage time when a team's just trying to, you know, get something on the board. Um, so at that point, that was a very good defensive performance for that team. We'll see what they do in the trade deadline. I don't know. My gut is saying that they're going to do something mid-level. You need something to combat what's going to be happening with Bill Belichick in New England because they're going to do something big. Tony, what do you think about that? I I I think you're right as far as the mid-level uh, acquisitions. But if I'm going to if I'm going to do that, you know, Janoris Jenkins or, or what's the guy's name from Oakland? Conley, I think. I, I Gary his name. Gary and Conley. Yeah. Well, I mean, why not just pr- promote Cam Sutton to to the uh, other starting corner opposite of. Um, uh, Joe Hayden. That's what I would do. I mean, they they seem to be very high on him. And now that you have you have Morgan Burnett back uh, for the at least for the foreseeable future, and they ask a lot of uh, of uh, uh, Burnett as far as uh, the secondary, so that that would free uh, Sutton up to be the, the other corner. That's what I would do. I would just try to promote from within. But but I I do agree with you. I think they are going to, to make a move uh, at a mid level cornerback and. and I mean, I, I I guess I like it because it, it definitely gives them a, another veteran presence in the secondary. But if we're up to me, if we're up to me, I would go with Cam Sutton. And you know, they uh, we're going to see how healthy Cody Sensabaugh is going into the next game. But when it was Cody's, it looks like Cody is the uh, going to be the guy at that cornerback position right now, and Sutton came in when he was hurt and was not already burned. Uh, Vito, thank you so much for your time. Thank this you, evening. gentlemen. Uh, we, have so, we have some more thoughts on the trade deadline we're going to get to, too. But hoping to talk to you next week, and uh, we'll, see, we'll talk to you soon. Thank you, Vito. As always, a Hall of Fame caller, Vito from New Jersey. I uh, just love talking to him, and uh, I knew he would have some poignant things to say. Tony, you know, we uh, kind of got off track here as far as uh, the normal rundown um, with grades and valedictorian, and we're going to get to all of that. But um, let's continue to talk about the trading deadline because we've a guy like Demarius Thomas could be going to New England. Um, the uh, the Patriots, the uh, Eagles, the Steelers are all rumored to be looking at corners. Um, Makes me wonder when I think about Demarius Thomas. I'm wondering about the Steelers bringing in a rental at wide receiver. Because here you go, you have a clear number one, you have a clear number two, and you have a number three in James Washington that did not even get a hat. He didn't get a uniform yesterday. They brought Justin Hunter in um, to seize that position, and they talked about it on the broadcast, Tony, that, you know, he really, that Ben talk to him and said, this is your chance to seize the position. I think you and I both would agree that he didn't do anything to seize that spot. 
Ryan Switzer is there as a uh, as a slot receiver um, for gadgetry for um, small ball. Um, he's going to be valuable, but he's not going to take the top off the defense, and neither could a guy like Eli Rogers if he is healthy enough to play. In fact, I really don't even uh, consider him an option the way he played at the tail end of last year. So could you see a possibility where they go ahead and uh, go against convention and bring in a wide receiver? I would love it because if you remember two years ago when they had all the injuries to their to their receivers not named Antonio Brown, they they really struggled and they had to rely on Bell so much for the for the offense. Kobe uh, Hamilton output. Yeah, Kobe. Yeah, yeah. So so I would like it because, like you said, um, you know Justin Hunter his two most famous plays this year, and they were valuable plays, were on blocks, you know, were on touchdowns. And that's nice and all, but they, they really need production from that third receiver spot if their offense is going to continue to, to move forward. It's nice that they've compensated with, with uh, Vance McDonald. He's just an absolute beast anymore when he gets the ball in his hands. But I think they're going to need, if not uh, to go out and get a number three receiver, like, like you said, a Demarius Thomas. And I think it wouldn't take much to get him. And when I say much, I mean like a second or third round pick would be what I would give up for somebody like him. But if they don't, if if they don't do that, they're going to have to have production from James Washington down the stretch. And so far, we haven't seen anything from him over the first seven games. And and, and I don't know if that's because of a lack of trust with between, you know, from Ben Roethlisberger's perspective, or just he's not on the details like they want in terms of blocking, like Justin Hunter has been able to do. And if that's the case, then. <laughs> Then he might not see a hat uh, down the stretch, and I hope that's not true because I think they really, they're really going to need him or somebody like uh, 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 somebody to emerge as a number three receiver. And I think in Justin Hunter, what you see is what you get. You're not going to get much more from him. I think it's going to have to be James Washington, if, and if not, then you're right. You know, it'd be, it's going to be interesting to see if they do something tomorrow, bring in a, a veteran receiver like a Demarius Thomas or somebody, maybe a, a little uh, lesser talent. Kelvin Benjamin, someone like that, you know, I mean, guys like that could be, offer that. be a possibility. Yeah. I I don't know how sexy that is to a lot of people, but uh, maybe a change of scenery for one of these guys would be good. And I, would, I wouldn't have a problem if it was a rental. Now, let me ask you this. Do you play defense with a pick, with a, a trade like that? When I say play defense – try to uh, grab somebody just so the Patriots don't get them. That's something that the Steelers wouldn't normally do. But you've got to think about, I think tomorrow you've got to go against convention just because, you know, they're going to do some stuff. And you've got to fight fire with fire. You can't just sit back and do nothing while they bring two, three guys in. And they're not afraid to do that. They've never been afraid to do that. So, Tony, would you play defense if you were the GM of the Steelers? and go ahead and, and bring a big gun in to try to look ahead to uh, that game in December and look ahead to a possibility of uh, of the playoffs against them? Oh, absolutely, because, um, I mean, they already they already quickly snatched up Josh Gordon when he was released. And, and you know, if it is the kind of a name that you said, like a Demarius Thomas, that, that, that would obviously help them almost immediately. It would definitely make their receiving core stronger. And you don't want to do anything to make the make the Patriots a stronger team. I mean, I think the Steelers have turned a corner. They're they're definitely that they can now start preparing at least for a playoff run. 
you know, so you want to make your team better, and you also want to prevent other teams from getting better that you're going to have to contend with in January. And, and, and you know, but I guess the, the only caveat would be what would they have to give up to get somebody like this, to get a rental player, to get somebody. I mean, Demarius Thomas, his, his last contract uh, that he signed, I think it was in 2016, it was pretty uh, substantial. So it was, it was you know, bringing in a player making a lot of money. And what, what, what would you have to get up for? If it's like a first or a second round pick, which I don't see happening, that would be a. a I don't a think you would big. have to for a guy like Demarius Thomas. I mean, the yeah. Patriots seem to get guys for uh, fifth and sixth rounders. It's, it's just right. absolutely amazing. Um, yeah. Shame on the Dallas Cowboys for uh, giving up a one on Amari Cooper. I, uh, I think that's given a lot of teams hope that they're going to go ahead and uh, get a number one out of a guy that is not any longer number one talent because I would have never right. – I would have thought a three would – a three would be right along the lines for a guy like Amari Cooper at this point. Um, Tony, I mean, let's uh, – we have another call on the line. We're going to get to that in just a moment. Let's go ahead and quickly uh, do grades – for the offense, defense, and special teams, um, and award our valedictorian as far as that goes. Let's just start with the valedictorian. I don't. I kind of think this is a no-brainer. So I'm going to let you shout it out, and I'm going to either uh, concur or uh, or state my case for somebody else. But go ahead. Uh, it has to be James Conner, right? Yeah, 212 yards from scrimmage. Absolutely. I mean, making everybody forget about living on out pretty quickly. Yeah, absolutely. James Conner just had an amazing day. Still, still combining combat running with uh, with speed and finesse. I thought he had a beautiful day um, as a pass blocker, as a pass protector, as a runner, as a receiver. I think this guy right now is the MVP of the Steelers, and I would be surprised if this team would not vote for him. He is your definite valedictorian. Um, let's give a grade to the offense. I'm going to go ahead and give them an A minus, just uh, just for the fact that they uh, they didn't start. No matter what reason it could be, whether it was rust from the day off, whether it was because of a heavy heart, and uh, and what have you, there, um, they they played three quarters. That offense played three quarters yesterday, Tony. Um, but I thought it was overall it was pretty close to a dominating performance once they got rolling. I'm going to. I think they deserve an A minus. Yeah, I agree with that. You know, I mean, we can't keep having these kind of slow starts in the first quarter. They they netted seven yards in the first three drives, I and mean, you're, you're not going to beat very many teams by doing that. But they did rebound pretty uh, pretty well, and, and I think they had 400 yards over the last three quarters and 33 points. So yeah, A minus sounds about right. You know, once again, though, last time around we gave we gave the uh, valedictorian crown to the entire offensive line. I'm going to go ahead and uh, give them honorable mention once again, honor roll um, status, but I want to point out two guys on that offensive line. They were all amazing. Um, Ramon, DeCastro, Pouncey, those guys were amazing. But let me talk about the tackles. Alvin Villanueva, and we talked about this before, only gave up one tackle. It was a sack, and uh, I thought Ben actually held onto that ball a little too long that could have – that yeah. didn't have to be a sack, but uh, it was only one tackle on the day. Miles Garrett is, to me, all-world as a defender. I think he is 
going to be multiple time defensive player of the year in the future. Um, Big Al, great game. And you, you got to talk about Matt Filer coming in, playing for Marcus Gilbert. And uh, they call him the anchor, I guess, because he, he is a big physical specimen. Um, and that is his nickname. I don't know where he got that, whether I, whether that was at Bloomsburg, where that, where that came up. But the anchor had a great game as well. Um, as far as other uh, guys on offense, I mean, Juju had a good game. I'm not going to give him honor roll, though. Antonio Brown, definitely. Um, and that's about it for me. I mean, I had a lot of, I heard a lot of people give game balls to uh, Vance McDonald again. I thought Vance had another nice day. Um, yeah, he's one that can merit mention for it. But right now I'm looking at those four guys. Um, James Conner. I'm looking at uh, A.B., Filer. I'm looking at Villanueva. And you know what? I'm going to throw in Big Ben because he put it all together. Um, quarter two, three, and four. So that's the offense. We're giving them an A minus. What's your defensive grade, Tony? I give it an A. And I think the way the way they they held the Browns out of the end zone in the first quarter when they very easily could have, you know, given up a touchdown, like they had in some other teams in the past, like the Ravens and the Chiefs. And I think they they held them to 98 yards after that touch after that first uh, quarter. Um, the first quarter uh, field goal all the way through into that guard, like you mentioned, the garbage time touchdown, 98 yards. Uh, to me, it was, it was a, a, a performance. The, their one uh, legit touchdown came on a short field after that ridiculous uh, gaff on the special teams on the free kick. So, no, I, I, I love the, uh, how the defense performed. And Joe Hayden, I mean, we talked about Jarvis Landry in, in week one and what he did to Artie Burns. Well, you didn't hear much about him yesterday because Joe Hayden was covering him. So, Joe Hayden, if you talk about defensive MVP, there's no question who that is. It's, it's, it's number 23, the, the savvy vet. You know, it is, and I agree with you, but I want to give strong honorable mention to Bud Dupree. I thought Bud yes. had a great day. Um, yes. You know, he had a sack, I guess, and he gets credit for the other sack, I believe, on the safety. Bud looked like a man among boys yesterday. I know he was playing up against Desmond Harrison a good bit, a uh, rookie left tackle. But I really like what Bud could do. If he can uh, do that over the next nine games, look out, that defense is going to look a lot stronger. But everything you said, I've got to say yes. I'm going to add one more guy to that list. And um, look out just when you thought that uh, he was, you know, slipping in obscurity, Stephon it. another mm-hmm. big week. Uh, he looked great against the Bengals. Looked great again yesterday uh, with some big tackles. Looked like um, – I always, I know I'm using this phrase a lot, but he looked like a man among boys as well, and I really liked what he was doing. Um, so those three guys stood out the most for me. I don't think – am I missing anybody there, Tony? No, yeah. I mean, I'm glad you mentioned Bud Dupree because it seems like he's the new uh, poster child for anything that goes wrong with the Steelers defense. And anytime. Twitter, or even BTSC, it's all uh, about the free sucks, right? But he had a really great game yesterday, and he's, he's, uh, uh, I think he's really benefiting from being on the right side. So I'm glad you mentioned him. Yeah, I think he's coming alive, and uh, I think Artie Burns has done him a favor as well as uh, I think <laughs> I'll disagree yeah. with you slightly because I think Artie's the 
brand new poster child, and you and Good I are point. the same age. You and I are are exactly the same age, and I know you were just like me. You followed the Steelers in the 1980s, and there was a guy that wore number 33, and uh, yes. his son plays in, uh, I believe it's for Duquesne, possibly. I mean, he played there. Um, his uh, the junior version of this this fellow, but Harvey Clayton was the guy back in the uh, back in the eighties, the cornerback that they blamed everything on, and he was the uh, woe of the defense in like eighty five, eighty six, and poor mm-hmm. Harvey couldn't get a break. And I, I think uh, I think Artie Burns is our new Harvey Clayton, um, but uh, and I, I wish I wish Harvey Clayton the best, and I, w- I wish Artie Burns to get it all together because I think he is a, uh, a class individual. He just needs to get things together. And I'm sure this trade talk, talking about a defensive back for bringing in another corner is probably affecting him, even though he's, he's saying that it isn't. Um, but uh, this really isn't about Artie because Artie didn't really play yesterday, but uh, Bud Dupree game as well. Special teams, I'm giving them a C. I'm just going to leave it at that. I will say that Jordan Berry had some pretty good punts. He he did play a little bit better. He had some ugly ones too. But uh, a guy who did not have an ugly game was Chris Boswell. I'm thinking the monkey might finally be off of his back, but I'm not. I need one more week to completely say that. But that special team gaffe with uh, Rosie Nix calling the uh, mm. calling for the fair catch. And then, um, then Switzer backed off because he thought AB was coming in for it. Um, I think AB kind of owned that a little bit that he was not—he didn't own the mistake, but he—he uh, he, uh, kind of—I don't want to say he bullied him out of the way, but he—he uh, he basically overrolled him. Let's say that it's like it's—it's <laughs> yes. like you didn't—you didn't get it. You never got into uh, Andrew McCutcheon's way in the outfield. Right. You know what I mean? Right. You you always, yeah. those guys deferred to him. And I think that's what Switzer was doing. And then they both let it go. That's, that's inexcusable. That can't happen. But this is what I like about a guy like Ryan Switzer. He took the full blame. He's like, look, I didn't completely know the roles. That's no excuse. I should have, I should have known what was going on. Um, that will never happen again. I love the accountability of Ryan Switzer, so I'm going to give him – I like him even better now after that. Um, you know, these guys are going to make mistakes. I make mistakes every single day. It just doesn't go on the highlights and bloggers and uh, media right. don't, talking heads don't talk about the mistakes I make at work all the time. And trust me, I make them. Um, but <laughs> here's the deal. These guys – these guys are under a microscope, and he's like, I own it. Not going to happen again. I, I trust him. I trust him even more now. I love having that guy back there, and he's going to break one this year. Um, with that being said, um, overall effort, I think you got to go with uh, – you can go with an A, A-minus, because just the result, just with the landscape, let's just give them an A. That was the performance that they needed coming off of a bye. Um very proud of that performance yesterday, um, despite some warts, but I'll still take it. Um, with that being said, waiting patiently on the line is another good friend from the Garden State. You know him. You love him. Tell us who you are, my friend. What's up, guys? It's Ken from New Jersey. 
Hey, Ken. Hey, we knew it was you, Ken. I just wanted to give you a better intro. I wanted you to say Yeah, that was pretty good. That was pretty good. I appreciate it. <laughs> uh, man, it was a great, great What's going on, my man? Great, um, I'm doing well, doing well. Um, enjoyed watching the game. Uh, you know, it's funny. Like, it was um, – it felt – so when I, when I turned the game on, I actually <clears> – I started watching it probably about halfway in. So I was watching from the beginning when it was about, you know, maybe the end of the second quarter. Um, so I didn't hear anything about the Squirrel Hill community. I didn't know anything. It just felt weird. The whole first quarter, like the air was just out of the stadium. Like the, it just really felt weird. I was like, man, like these guys are really out of sync from the vibe. I just thought it was all that. Knowing what happened, I think you have to put a little bit on, you know, the the effect of what happened uh, in that community and the players having to just kind of go through that with them because it it just did happen the night before. So although, yes, the Steelers do tend to start slow, that was probably a little bit in there, but I, it just it, it felt weird. Like the fans felt like they didn't have any energy themselves too. It, it was a weird feeling just watching, um, you know, watching as a, as a fan on TV. But um, I think it was the Steelers' most complete game. I really do. I think um, a lot of the fear of, man, they better not lose to Cleveland. And, you know, this is a desperation win for Cleveland. And if they can get it, the, the Steelers just spanked them. They just spanked them. And um, it was beautiful to see. It should have been worse. You know, there was a couple things like that, um, that special teams play. Uh, I think there was something else along the way. Like, it was a couple things. It could have – it should have been worse. But 33-18, to 18, they scored at the end. Overall, I think the defense really um, – the defense did well. Um, Morgan Burnett, it was good to see him get in the game and get out of the game. He played a lot. So, um, yeah, man, and like you said, you know, James Conner, he's looking better. Um, I like to see him at the end of the game just like – imposing his will on a defense. I don't think we've seen that consistently because we know Le'Veon can do that at the end of games, just like chuck guys and they just, they just get demoralized. So he started doing that. Uh, so that was good to see. You know, and that was, the, that was the most important thing. And his touch to that drive, the way he ran after that mistake, he didn't make the mistake, but the way he took over, um, you're right, it was shades of Le'Veon, but it was shades of just a complete winner. And uh, one that uh, you felt like is like ready to proclaim that this is his team. And I really feel like that's right because, I mean, this is fourth quarter football, and he's reeling off 10 and 15 and 20. He's just making things happen over and over and over. That late in the game, he wasn't gassed. He was just, uh, I mean, they were done. They were completely done, and he was the guy who emphatically put the uh, put the end to that game, put the end to all of – he completely demoralized Cleveland at the end. And um, so as far as I'm concerned, that was the guy going forward that you still – you're going to give a hat to every week, no matter who else is in that locker room, until that other – that other player seizes it from him. You can't take this season away from this guy at this point. Um, thank you, Ken. Appreciate it. No problem. No problem. And I, I just, I just called in. So did you guys already talk about the Browns firing the coaches? Yeah, we did briefly. And I don't know. Um, 
we didn't talk about this one stat, and I did want to go ahead and bring that up. It's amazing. The last six head coaches of the Cleveland Browns have been fired right after losing their second meeting of the season with the Pittsburgh Steelers. That is that, that yeah, is that, an incredible stat to me. That stat is crazy. It's crazy. <laughs> it really is. I mean, uh, so we, bad, uh, so we went ahead handy, and <clears> – Yeah, you know what? I – because I watched Hard Knocks and I really enjoyed, um, I really enjoyed Todd Haley um, during that in, entire thing, and uh, I kind of felt like uh, he was unceremoniously uh, dropped here. I thought that was Ben's firing, um, if you ask me. Um, but uh, without getting all into that, I, I kind of root for Wacky Todd, as Bryce used to call him. Uh, Bryce, remember oh, Bryce called him Zany Todd. I thought it was Wacky Todd. No matter what Some, it was. Something Todd. <laughs> Crazy Todd. Okay, here's, a, here's a plea. Bryce, you need to call us. You need to get into the game and let us know whether it was Wacky or Zany Todd. So, um, nonetheless, I kind of thought, I kind of think that guy deserves another shot at an NFL team, and I, I was hoping um, it would be Cleveland. I, I kind of root for the guy. Um, but as far as that goes, yeah, that, that team was a mess. Hugh Jackson and the problems that Hugh and uh, Haley had stemmed from hard knocks, so maybe that wasn't the best idea for that franchise, especially um, it made Hugh Jackson look bad. But um, that team's going to eventually get it together, and when they do, they're going to be dangerous. But it's it's not this year. Um, they're taking right. baby steps, but it's just de- definitely not this year. Well, this this is the last thing I say. This show so Todd Haley lasted six years in Pittsburgh. It shows you how the difference, the kind of man, the kind of leader that Mike Tomlin is, to still be able to work, you know, effectively with Todd Haley for over all that time. These are things the media doesn't talk about. So I just wanted to put that out there. No. Like, you couldn't even last a half season with you. <clears throat> You know, you last six years with Mike Tomlin. You didn't hear anything about any insubordination, any rifts between Tomlin and Haley at all. With all the stuff that came out of Pittsburgh, no one's ever heard that one. You know what? I uh, and thank you, thank you for bringing that up. Because now that you say that, I cannot tell you a rift that Mike Tomlin has ever had in every single season. What this is his eleventh season. Um, or is this his 12th? Actually, this is his 12th season. Um, he's never had a rift that I know of. The, uh, they tried to make a rift with him and Arians, and it really wasn't um, because Arians actually felt blindsided by that whole thing. But they never had a problem with each other. Um, they always said that uh, he was going to have a problem with Dick LeBeau when he came in, and Tomlin was was smart enough and uh, – was respectful enough to go ahead and say, hey, I'm not going to mess with uh, a tried-and-true method, uh, and I'm not going to mess with Dick LeBeau. And he adopted his defense and brought it in, and they had great success together. But I don't know of anybody as a coach, um, even a disgruntled coach, that uh, that left. Now, Arians was disgruntled, but Arians is just a disgruntled guy. But I don't know of anybody that if you could come up with one, I will be shocked. Nope, I agree. 
Well, well, thanks, Ken. We will talk to you next week after what is hopefully a uh, win over the uh, the Baltimore Birdies. So uh, have a great one, buddy. All right, you too. Have a good night. See you, Ken. Tony, that's a great question. I mean, you know, I am so glad Ken brought that up because Mike Tomlin does not get credit for the way he treats his his assistant coaches. And I would think that these guys love to work for this guy. Yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a great point. I mean, you, you never hear – I mean, I love Bill Cowher. We all love Bill Cowher, but he had a lot of turnover on his coaching staff. You know, there, there were always rumors that he didn't – they didn't really necessarily get along with him. And then, of course, there was that famous power struggle between him and Tom Donahue, the, uh, the de facto general manager at the time. But you don't hear anything like that with Tom. And what Hugh Jackson did last week when he basically threw Todd Haley under the bus in his press conference and basically said, I'm going to take over the play calling, Mike Tomlin would never in a million years do that. And that's, that's the difference between him and most coaches in the NFL. Mike Tomlin... You can say what you want about his X's and O's and his strategy, and it's probably – Some of that's probably unfair, but he's a great leader of men, both his assistants and his, his players. I mean, there's a reason why he's always up there when it comes to the, the, the opposing coach that players would like to play for. He's always up there, number one and number two. That's not an accident. The guy is just a great leader of men. And, and even with Keith Butler, there, there have been rumors that – you know, he took over the play calling. He's calling the plays, but he has yet to ever say that. He always says, no, it's Keith Butler calling the plays. Whether it's true or not, we'll never know, but at least he's ne- he doesn't throw his, his, his guy under the bus. And as far as the Todd Haley firing, that, I mean, Hugh Jackson didn't catch me off guard at all. I kind of expected that. But I thought after last week, it would be like an either-or thing if Hugh Jackson was fired and Todd Haley would stay on. The fact that he got fired, too, kind of really shocked me because they really – kind of handcuffed him this year. They they, they, they gave him a, a, a rookie quarterback, which might benefit him, but they also took away Josh Gordon and and, and, and uh, uh, Carlos Hyde. So I kind of thought he got he got short-thrifted there by getting fired today. You know, because if they don't have Josh Gordon, they're not beating the Pittsburgh Steelers. Oh, excuse me. They're not tying the Pittsburgh Steelers in week one. Um, right. Notice I said beat because I still feel that that was a loss, even though it's uh, <laughs> yeah. it goes as a tie in the record book. And thank goodness it goes as a tie in the standings. So, you know, a lot of great things we talk about as far as on-the-field action. Very proud of this football team. I'm really proud of the way that, that – uh, they pick themselves up because you know what? I, if something like that, if I were to play yesterday, I would have been in a lull. Um, it, yeah. it would have taken me a while as well. Um, and in fact, I think I think you and I both showed evidence of that just starting this podcast. It wasn't our normal hoopla that it usually is because we felt it as well. So I mean, for this team to uh, just pick themselves up. And uh, give that their city a reprieve. I'm, you know, I'm very proud of them. Um, I'm proud of the other organizations, the what what the Penguins are going to be doing this week, as well as far as uh, not doing all the Halloween stuff, but make it more about uh, you know uh, um, fundraising and more about the uh, you know community for the tragedy tomorrow night. That's something that. Uh, I I think is great as well. 
Um, but with that being said, they are still playing football. And, uh, you know, in the face of a tragedy like this, it's it's good to find something to hang on to, like following a sports team. And next week's a huge game for this team. And I think it's uh, one that it's not going to – it's not like the Cincinnati game and the Atlanta game that we talked about that could break their season earlier on. They can afford to lose this game, but they don't want to. They want to start rolling. And uh, if they beat Baltimore next week, they're officially on a roll, Tony. So let me ask you this. Straight up, are they going to be on a roll next week? Or are they going to, uh, you know, fall back on, I don't want to say the roller coaster, but just fall back a little bit? Well, before I get into that, I just wanted to thank you for your, your kind words and your poignant words about, about everything that happened the other day on Saturday. It was just really, really meaningful. Uh, yeah, Pittsburgh's a, a resilient community, and, and, and the, they, they're, often, they're kind of a reflection of the, of the Steelers. It, it's just they, they always bounce back, and they'll bounce back from this. So I just wanted to thank you for that. But as far as uh, next week, I just I kind of have a feeling that they're gonna they're gonna they're gonna they're catching the Ravens at the right time. Now you mentioned that you don't think that they're gonna lose three in a row, the Ravens, because they've lost two games in a row. But I kind of feel that they're gonna. They're, they're catching him at the right time, like when, when, like how they came into Heinz Field in week four and, and caught the Steelers at the right time when they were floundering around trying to find their way. And I think that's what's going to happen next week. And I think I – don't, I don't see this being your typical 24-21, to 24-23 kind of game. I think it's going to be a lot like it was last year in week four when Pittsburgh went down to Baltimore and, and controlled the game from beginning to end. And I think that's what we're going to see next week. I, I really look for a dominant performance and – we we will be talking about a, a, a team that's on a roll next week at this time. That's just my personal feeling. Maybe it's just maybe it's just because it's Monday and I'm I'm just you know I don't know. But I, I just got a, I, I a feeling it, it, it's going to be a, a great game for the Pittsburgh Steelers next Sunday, Brian. I'm going to go 24-22 Steelers. Um, I just. Uh, I think they could win this game too. Um, of course, I'm going to be cautiously optimistic, but I feel so much better about this game than I did in Week Four. I did not, uh, I did not believe in them in Week Four like I believe in this team now. And uh, once again, do you think, uh, based on what you said, do you think that they play a complete four quarters next week? Yeah, I mean, I don't, I'm not saying they're going to win, you know, by five touchdowns or anything, but I think they're really going to to exert their or, or, or enforce their will on 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 the on the Ravens next week, much like they did last year in Week Four. I think they're really going to show that they are the team to beat in the AFC North, and I look for a a two or three score uh, victory. That's just how I I just have that kind of feeling right now that that's what they're going to do to the Ravens next week. So I think they're catching that at the, at the right time. My hope for next week, Tony, and actually my hope for right now, I hope just like in uh, in the Rocky movies, I believe it was Rocky II, um, when uh, or did uh, Rocky put Apollo's picture up on the mirror, or was it Drago's in Rocky IV? I'm not sure which one, but I hope that Joe Hayden has a picture of John Brown up on his mirror right now, and uh and then goes ahead and crumbles it on Sunday and uh, <laughs> ready to go in for a battle because that is going to be one fun battle to watch. But uh, thank you so much for the kind words um, that you said to me. I appreciate that. 
you know, Pittsburgh, you have been in my heart since I was born. I've never officially lived in the city, um, but uh, I've spent most of my life there, and I get there all the time. I'm a Western Pennsylvanian. I will always be a Western Pennsylvanian, and uh, when a tragedy comes like uh, comes in like this, it hits home, and it hits home for the entire U.S., but this is one of the first times it's hit like this, and uh, we as a community – we are going to stay Pittsburgh strong, and we are going to prove that Pittsburgh is stronger than hate, and we're going to do it together. And uh, we're going to uh, we're going to have faith, like Vito su- suggested, and uh, we are going to continue to be one. And uh, I love my Pittsburgh brothers and sisters. I love my football organization, and uh, praying that. Uh, that we have good fortune and good faith going forward. So with that being said, I am Brian Anthony Davis. We're behind the still curtain. My good friend, Tony Defio, he was here too, Pittsburgh resident. And, uh, you know, t- Tony, we're, we're praying for the city and we're praying for you as well. Thank you, my friend. Uh, like you said, we will bounce back. Pittsburgh's a, a strong community and, and, and we will move forward from this. Talk to you next week. And once again, I can't thank you, Tony, and I can't say it enough. Pittsburgh is stronger than hate. Love you, Pittsburgh. Absolutely. We will see you next week. Hopefully it is great a great game once again against a team in my current state where I live in, the Baltimore Ravens. And uh I know I'm gonna have a lot to say about it too. So uh God bless you, Steeler Nation. We will see you next week and remember, you have just been hung over. Take care. It's maybe the night that my dreams might let me know All the stars are closer All the stars are closer Tell me what you gonna do to me Confrontation ain't nothing new to me You could bring a bullet, bring a sword, bring a morgue But you can't bring the truth to me Alexa, play Kendrick Lamar and SZA Okay With Amazon Music, a voice is all you need Get tens of millions of songs Download the Amazon Music app today Hello, I'm Ashley Carmen. I'm Caitlin Tiffany. We're the hosts of Why'd You Push That Button, the Verge's show about all the choices technology forces us to make. We're back for season three, talking about questions like, why do you delete your tweets? And why do you type in lowercase letters that make you seem like a serial killer? <laughs> and why are you on an exclusive dating app? You're not that special. <laughs> We're releasing a new episode every Wednesday, and you can find us anywhere you typically find podcasts, which is Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts. So go ahead and subscribe and check us out.